the Mid-Hudson Valley Broadcast Studio at IBM Poughkeepsie, this is Behind the Bots, the podcast that brings you the stories of the builders behind BattleBots. I'm Chris. I'm Luke. And I'm Lindsay. And Kyle will join us a little later in the hour during our interview with Megabots co-founder Matt Orline. We'll wrap up the show with this week's Combat Robotics event calendar. If you like our show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, CastBox, Player FM, Podbean, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Behind the Bots, or check out our website at www.behindthebots.com. If you like what you hear, tell a friend. We really appreciate your support. Before we get started, let's give away some free stuff. Yeah! Woo! Free stuff! In this month's prize pack, we're giving away a signed copy of B is for BattleBots, the new combat robotics picture book from Witch Doctor Captain Andrea Galately. Wow. Plus three signed copies of original artwork from the book's illustrator, Caleb Kempson. We had 44 people enter this giveaway, so I've assigned everyone a number. I'm going to put all of those numbers right now into random.org. And the winner is... Number 37. <laughs> All right, let me... Let Congratulations, me number 37. <laughs> uh, and it's Russ Thibodeau, who writes... Love it. We are huge fans. Russ, congratulations. Yeah, Russ. You've earned it. <laughs> um, I will reach out to you, Russ, over Facebook and get your mailing address. Russ, I hope that you were a huge fan of huge because that's one of the signed pictures you're getting from Caleb. Oh, what? Yeah, look at that. Nice. <laughs> Time now for this week's Combat Robotics News. I've got four news items for you today. First up. BattleBots announcer Kenny Florian says he was nearly killed in a car crash while driving in the UK last week. Oh my gosh. He writes on Twitter, quote, Thankfully nobody was injured. A massive truck almost got our tiny car trapped underneath it. We swerved and got struck by a large <gasps> van. Our driver, named Paul Walker, saved our lives. Every day is a gift. Uh... This is wild. I. That's so scary. Yeah, yeah. What you guys don't know is Kenny actually got out of the car and put the entire van in a headlock and choked it into submission. I, 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 you know, and then he was posting like Instagram later that day, like he had oh. gone to a like a, a fighting kind of I don't know a cl- a club. I don't, I don't a, know fight, what a fight club? A fight club? I, I don't, he, he looked like he was fine on Instagram, so I'm, I'm wow. glad to hear that uh, that nobody was injured. Oh, man, close call. Well, yeah. I guess he's like he's used to the anxiety and the, you know, the hype of, like, you know, an event and a cataclysmic moment. Just used to getting into car accidents, I guess. <laughs> well, I mean, like, if somebody beeps at me at, at a red light, like, my day is ruined. I have to go. I have to just go into a dark room, you know? Yeah. But, like, he's someone that is... You know, used to like crowds of people chanting, you know, his name as he tries to beat someone into submission. That's true. The roads in the UK, a lot of them are, are quite scary because many are narrow and there are lorries, as they call them, big trucks that are zooming all around. So it's it's a dangerous place to drive sometimes. Yeah. I remember Lindsay and I went on vacation to Scotland a couple of years ago and driving around Loch Lomond. Was yeah. uh, maybe some of the highest anxiety moments I've had in my life. 
Sure. Next up, the team behind the crocodile-themed vertical disc spinner Death Roll is selling tiny titanium replicas of their blade, which took them to the top 16 in the 2019 season of BattleBots. The team suggests it might make a great weapon for an insect weight or a good set of earrings. The blades cost 50 bucks each, and they ship globally, so reach out to them on Facebook if you're interested. I want those earrings. Oh, my God. <laughs> Chris, you got to get them. Titanium earrings. Yeah. I could do that. Maybe we can uh, repurpose them for our wedding rings. You want you want to get you want to get married with death rolls on our fingers? That's fine. Canadian rookie builder Philippe Voyi is raising one thousand dollars on GoFundMe for a new heavyweight robot called Pardon My French. Philippe and his brother Vincent have applied to the still unconfirmed twenty twenty season of BattleBots with a bot they've described as a glass cannon, a robot that packs all of its weight into its weapon with comparatively little weight allocated to its defense. Part of my French will feature a 73-pound drum as its main weapon. The brothers write, quote, We have already bought most of the pieces for our 250-pound combat robot. We just need a little bit more to help us get all the different joke configurations and memes we want to get on TV if we are accepted. As of today, the pair had raised $130 with $870 left to go. If you're interested in donating, we'll include a link in this week's show notes. Part of my French looks, like, pretty fun. What memes are they adding to their bot? And is this Sarah Mullion sanctioned because she's the meme queen? From what I understand, Philippe and Vincent are pretty prolific on Robot War shunt posting. So this is another meme kind of joke bot. But, you know, I mean, when you throw a 73-pound drum spinner into the battle box and, uh, you know, it hits something, it's uh, it's going to do some damage, I would imagine. Um, I mean, that's uh, going to be one of the biggest, heaviest weapons allowable under the uh, the new season's rules. So, oui, absolument. So, yeah, maybe it's like a, a little, like, deep six kind of drum yeah. spinner. Yeah. And finally, Sharkoprian Captain Ed Robinson is rebranding as Team Aquatic Machine Force and applying to the rumored 2020 season of BattleBots with a dramatically redesigned version of Sharko. This week, he posted his first official build video of the year, showing him cutting a 55-gallon blue plastic barrel, which he uses to build armor for his robot. And that's it for this week's news. After the break, our interview with Megabots founder Matt Orline. Welcome back from the break, everybody. We're here with Megabots co-founder, Matt Orline. How you doing, Matt? Uh, I'm doing well, Chris. Thanks for having me. No, yeah, it's 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 certainly our, our pleasure. Um, I know I've told you before, uh, before we started recording, but um, this is a, a very big day for Kyle and I. We've, we've followed you and your campaign very closely um, for its entire duration, uh, long before we had even met each other. Um, so wow. this is uh, this is a big moment for us. Absolutely. How, so how far back? Let's we gotta we gotta quantify this. How far <laughs> back? Because people say like the whole campaign, but like sometimes people don't know that like there was a Kickstarter even before the one that was successful. Well, oh, I, I remember the first Kickstarter, <laughs> like the, the Boston not, one. Yeah, the little Boston Kickstarter that was not oh. successful. Okay. Oh, right. Yeah. So that's like. Ouch. Yeah, that's like way back. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, tell, do you want to tell us a little bit more about the, um, 
the Kickstarter before the the viral hit that really catapulted you into a whole new round of excitement and fundraising? Yeah. So the company started actually in Boston. Well, uh, Somerville, which is like a suburb of Boston. But yeah, we, we, we founded the company over there and we worked out of this like makerspace called Artisan's Asylum that uh, Guy actually started, my co-founder. So we were like building these, well, I should back up even, even before that, just kind of like the founding story of Megabots. Guy and I had met uh, when I was in, I was in Boston. I was interviewing at Boston Dynamics um, and I had reached out to Guy because he used to work there and he was like, running a makerspace and I was running a makerspace in Detroit at the time. And so I was just kind of like, Hey, give me some advice on this interview. Cause you used to work at this place. And so we just like got dinner and, um, kind of hit it off there. And he's a mechanical engineer and I'm an electrical engineer, but we'd kind of both have experience with hydraulics and robotics and stuff like that. And, um, we just sort of kept in touch. Boston dynamics never gave me a job offer. I don't know why. And they just, I don't know, maybe I messed up the interview or whatever, but um, Guy and I kept in touch and uh, maybe Guy Guy gave me bad advice. (laughs) Uh, But Guy and I, we kept in touch and then eventually he met kind of the founding investor, Josh, um, who was like coming through the makerspace and just sort of like looking for uh, things to invest in or whatever. And Guy sort of pitched Josh on this like, you know, uh, giant robots for entertainment purposes, but like it was pretty, it was a little nebulous and like hadn't quite formalized the sports league idea yet. I think it was more of like a, like build some robots and then like rent them to like bachelor parties in the forest to like play giant <laughs> robot paintball or something like that. <laughs> and um, so, you know, he kind of realized he had to like build a team around this. Um, and so he reached out to me and he was like, Hey Matt, you know, I would like, we always talked about doing something together. Like, well, I think I found a guy to like give us money to build giant robots. <laughs> and I was like, cool. I'm in, that sounds awesome. Um, let's like figure out how we can make this work. And, uh, you know, we started talking and kind of came up with this like sports league model. Cause we realized that like nobody can really afford to like buy and rent the robots. It just didn't seem like a scalable business mm. model. It was like, they're like, wow, these robots are so expensive. They're like Formula One cars. You know, like nobody like buys Formula One cars to like rent, you know, rents them. or They're just too expensive. But like you can sell tickets to like watch Formula One cars. And like that's a big business. So that's kind of how the sports league concept was born. And, you know, once we had it and, and like really we didn't. I mean, we had us we had like a presentation that was basically like Formula One like sold for $8 billion. Right. So if we could just build formula one, we can build an $8 billion company. Like sports leagues are big. Look how big the NFL is. And like, it was kind of like that. <laughs> just, um, so Josh was like, okay, like I'll throw a little bit of money at it. He basically threw 200 K at it. Um, and he was like, here's 200 K just like build as much of a robot as you can. And just, I don't know, run a Kickstarter. Just like see, see if we can get people's attention. This is this is fascinating. I want to know a little bit more. Um, I want to know a little bit more. You said you were an electrical engineer by by trade. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how you got into that as a background, and had you had any other exposure to robotics before it became time to you know go big or go home? 
Yeah, so I, you know, I went to school for electrical engineering. Originally, I, I went to University of Minnesota. I grew up in Minnesota, and I just kind of, like, knew I wanted to be an engineer because I just, like, I don't know, spent a lot of my childhood just, like, building stuff out of Legos and connects and, like, weird construction set stuff like that and sort of settled on electrical engineering. I think originally I started as a computer engineer, and then, like, literally I, like, looked in a catalog, and I was like, well, the average salary for an electrical engineer is like $5,000 a year higher than a computer engineer. And all I have to do is like take chemistry too. So like, I guess I'll just take chemistry too and then make more money. Like that's how simple my mind was back then. Like, no, like it wasn't like, what am I actually going to enjoy as a career? It was just like, well, this makes more money. That's one more class. So I'll do that. Like it was pretty much just that. And um, yeah, so I ended up doing electrical engineering, but you know, kind of throughout my um, college experience, I tended to like the classes that did have a little bit more like programming and like like microcontrollers and stuff like that, where you could kind of like give intelligence to like systems through either like, you know, developing a control system or programming something or whatever. And so I went on to get my master's in like control theory and robotics and then my first job, really my only like big boy job, I guess, was at Eaton Corporation. And uh, they're just like this really big, boring, multi-billion dollar diversified industrials company um, all over the world, whatever. But they make like hydraulic pumps and valves and like a lot of, a lot of hydraulic stuff for like construction equipment. Although recently, I think they sold off all their hydraulic uh, division, so... Now they no longer do that. But at the time, they were doing hydraulic stuff. And um, yeah, so I worked on like a lot of like kind of weird like hydraulic vehicles for the military and Volvo and like big construction equipment and stuff like that. So I kind of had this like background in like control systems and hydraulic systems for big construction equipment. And Guy kind of had the background in like the Boston Dynamics, like, small hydraulics, but, like, pretty advanced robotic systems. So you can kind of see how, like, I mean, it's almost like you could, you could like, visualize the equation of, like, Boston, ro like, Boston Dynamics robot plus construction equipment <laughs> equals, like, Giant equal robot. prime. Like, it's like, yeah. Oh, my goodness. That's sometimes how the stars align. Yeah. So you're now cut a check for $200,000. Is that ultimately what led to the Mark I design? Yeah, so that's the money we used to basically build, like, the first half of Iron Glory. And at the time, we called it the Mark I. It was really, like, half of a robot on this, like, weird trailer. Like, we got, like, a trailer and, like, mounted it on top of this thing. Uh, we were just like, well, maybe if we like, like, we don't have enough money to like build the whole thing, but we'll just build like a cockpit and like an arm and like this other little like missile turret thing. And like, hopefully that's enough to like start giving people some way to like visualize what this could be like. Yeah, we're not gonna have like a walking robot. There's no way we have enough money for that. But like, you know, like we can start telling a story and kind of like showing people that like we can actually build, like, big stuff, and it moves. You can get inside and control it. Ooh, yeah, so we we built, like, this cockpit thing with a gun, put it on trailer. We built this missile turret thing, and we filmed this first Kickstarter video, 
we blew a bunch of money just doing dumb stuff and like not I we spent way too much money on production costs on that thing. We like flew a film crew in from like LA, like a Discovery Channel like film crew, like paid them <laughs> to like uh it was such a waste of money. We probably blew like forty five thousand dollars on that stupid video. And like nobody really cared. Um but so yeah, it like totally failed. I mean some of our friends like put in money and uh, it just never it just never went viral for whatever reason. And um, Autodesk saw it. Autodesk is like a multi-billion dollar. Um, they make like engineering software. So right. anytime you want to design something, you know, use CAD or, you know, layout electrical designs. Or, well, more like wiring, I guess. But like they make AutoCAD. Most people, that's like a pretty well-known brand name. But um, uh, yeah, engineering software. So they were like, hey, they called us up. And they're like, hey, you know, uh, this is Autodesk Marketing. Um you know, saw your Kickstarter, bummer, it didn't work out, but, like, really like where your head's at, and, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe we could do something together, so, like, how about we, how about you, like, I don't know, like, come finish your robot, and, like, we'll make a bunch of, like, videos about it, and we'll use it to kind of, like, advertise, like, some cool thing you can do with Autodesk software, and we were like, that sounds great, because we're bankrupt, and we don't have any money, (laughs) and we'll do anything at this point, so, um, yeah, they, uh, they cut us a check and we moved to San Francisco and, um, we finished the robot for Maker Faire. They wanted us to bring the robot to Maker Faire to like have at their booth. Cause they wanted this big crazy booth at Maker Faire with like a giant robot. And they, we made a few like marketing videos, um, for them and they did really well because as soon as we like unveiled the robot, everyone was like, holy shit. like it's the first, like, I don't know, pretty like. I don't know. It's like first giant robot that's like got guns that you can like ride in and like it's pretty mobile and is like, you know, doing something in front of crowds. Now like Sudabashi had the Karatis robot like long before, but like they didn't really I mean, it doesn't really doesn't really like drive around that well. Um and so, like it's just like yeah there's like pictures and like short super short video clips of it but it's not like to me it's like not real enough but um no it's, it feels like more of a special effect right like that's how i always kind of viewed their their robot their production value yeah they, they're like for sure they're like you know the way i think about it like they're way better than us at like this like the the artistic style like they made their robot look like freaking awesome yeah, it looks like they came out of an anime. Yeah, it's like looks super advanced, like all that. Like they're like amazing with like fiberglass and stuff like that. And it's really funny because it caused like everybody to on the internet to be like, the Japanese robot is like so much more advanced than the American robot. Like, <laughs> I remember that. Just, they're just it's just like so hilariously wrong. But like, there's just nothing. Like I don't know. Like. I could, you know, I, I just let them believe it. I mean, I guess I could try to change their mind, but, like, why? It doesn't even matter, you know? At this point, so, like, I remember your first Kickstarter video. I was that nerd who was sharing it around to my friends who were telling me, why do you even care? It doesn't even have legs. Yep. Um, 
And then when I heard you guys were going to be at the Maker Fair, I got really excited. I mean, I live, you know, at the time in New York, I was not able to go to that Maker Fair, but I was very involved in the Maker Fair scene in New York. So I heard that you guys were going to be there. I was super excited. And when you guys hit at Maker Fair, I was like so happy that I had been vindicated by thinking. (laughs) I told you so. I told you this was going to be freaking awesome. Um, and man, Mark one, uh, AKA Mark two iron glory. It's a cool thing, I, you know? And like, I kind of, I didn't have the sense that Kuratas didn't have a really, um, functional, awesome robot until I watched your duel, but we'll get to that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so just hold, so just to backtrack, what, what year was this in? Uh, so the company was officially like incorporated on paper and like, I think it was like June 5th of 2014, I think is our incorporation yep. date. And then, so Maker Fair was roughly a year after that, 2015. Yeah, it was the 2015 Maker Fair. I remember. Yeah. Cool. So we're at Maker Fair and we have this like giant robot and we called it the Mar- I think around that time we started calling it the Mark II because we were like, oh, like we had the Mark One, which was just this goofy trailer thing. But like now we're going to call it the Mark II. And we it was all tri- supposed to be named after like the Iron Man suits, right? Because like Tony Stark right. named them all like Mark One, Mark Two, II, Mark Three, Mark Four. And so we're like, yeah, we're going to do that too. And so then we, so yeah, so we're like, oh, it's the Mark II. And um, even though it was really just like finishing the Mark One, but like whatever, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, we just called it the Mark II. Um, but then we, st- we eventually started realizing, I can't remember at what point we started like changing the name over, I think it was, it must've been after the Kickstarter or something like that. But we realized like it was just so hard for like SEO purposes to call it the Mark II because when you're just like standing next, you're like at a bar and you're like, yeah, this robot called the Mark II. Like, is that like mk period space capital i is it like m-a-r-k space what like the number one is it like mk space you know like it's just like there's so many ways to you know mark one mark like it's just like so hard to search and people are thinking we're saying like mock like the speed of sound right like what like what is and so we're just like okay okay we just need something like just we're gonna just rip off Pacific Rim. It's just gonna be like two cool words, <laughs> and like yeah, it's just gonna be two cool words. And so we're like uh, Iron Glory. That's it. Just like whatever. Eh, that's the new name. And so we kind of concocted some weird like, uh, well, Iron Glory is like the name of that particular robot, but it's like a Mark II class robot. Like, there's different classes of, like, megabots you can have. And, like, each one has a unique name. This one's name is Iron Glory. I don't know. We, like, came up with this stupid reasoning or whatever. And um, But, event, yeah, I mean, like, in practice, it's, like, the Iron, Iron Glory slash Mark II, whatever you want to call it. But I try to stick to the, the Pacific Rim names, Iron Glory, um, just for, like, SEO purposes. Um, yeah, so, okay. So, Red Maker Fair... Unveil the robot. We're like shooting at cars, paintballs, shooting paintballs at cars. It's a good time. Everyone's having a good time. Um, we get done with Maker Fair. <laughs> we're basically out of money again because we're like, okay, well, like Autodesk paid us, like built this robot, but like we just don't really have a business model yet. So like now that that's done, we're just like, 
some dudes in San Francisco where it's really expensive and we don't have any money. This is hard. <laughs> um, and so we actually we started going down to like Hollywood. <laughs> this is like to try to like, we're like, we need a reality show. Like, mm. that, because this is like so ridiculous. Like, the story is just ridiculous, and like everybody needs to know about it. So we, we need to have like our own reality show. It's gonna like make us all like famous, and robots are gonna be a thing. It's gonna be awesome. And eventually, we like got a meeting with like Thomas Tull's like executive assistant or something like Thomas Tull's like the CEO of Legendary Pictures. Mm-hmm. So like the Pacific Rim guy, basically. Oh wow! Okay. And all the Batman movies, like all that, you know. Um, uh, he like owns a sports team too. I forget which. Like <laughs> All right. Someone with a couple of bucks to throw around. Like he's like, yeah, like come down, like come down to LA. Let's talk. We're gonna like, oh, it's gonna be so good. We're gonna make you so famous. He's like, I'm gonna give you ten million dollars. It's gonna be amazing. It's oh like, my we're talking gosh. On the phone. This billionaire dude calls us on the phone. He's like, all right, I'm Thomas Tull. I'm a billionaire. I want to give you money. I go okay. So we go. Uh, so we go down to L.A., series of meetings. He's not there. We're like, oh, yeah, we're here to, like, meet Thomas Tull. The receptionist is like, yeah, you're not. No, he's no. You're going to meet with, like, the head lawyer of the <gasps> company and, like, the like the EA. And so we're like, what? Okay, whatever. So we meet with them. And they're basically just like, oh, yeah, you know, Megabots, it's, like, super great. Oh, you guys are so You're going to do amazing things. Uh, you know, and we just launched this like reality show and they were starting to, I think they were starting to do some kind of like TV series under the, it wasn't under the legendary name, but it was like owned by legendary or something, but it had like some, it was like a studio that was starting to make TV content or whatever. And yeah, like this is basically how it works. You like go down to, you go down to like Hollywood, LA, you like talk with these people. They like kind of, um, they're just like almost vet you you're amazing oh my god you're so amazing you're gonna be famous i'm gonna make you famous we're all gonna be rich it's like so great uh the future is amazing oh my god you're all geniuses anyways here's this contract um Uh don't worry about it it's all standard language you should just sign this it's gonna be great (laughs) don't worry about it oh no like so um yeah, so we're, like, having this meeting, and we're, like, okay, well, we got to go. Like, we got to head out. So, like, is there, like, you guys mentioned, like, $10 million. Is there something, like, what about the $10 million, like, you talked about? And they're, like, oh, well, we would give you $10 million once we sell you to, like, a network. But, like, we can't give you $10 million now. So we're, like, oh. Okay, well, I guess we'll just leave then. And they're like, wait, 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 hang on. Here's this, like, uh, like attachment agreement. Just, like, here's this. And so they, like, hand us this, like, stack of paper and some, like, hoodie, like, legendary pictures hoodies. And they're like, okay, well, anyways, like, see ya. And so we, like, pick on a page through the, like, paperwork. And it's just basically, like, legendary pictures owns you. Legendary pictures owns you. Like, we own all your revenue. We own all the, you know, and you can't talk to anybody. And, like, you know, it's just, like, this horrible agreement that just, like, locks us up. Um, wow. for like years and years and years. And we're like, wow, this would be really stupid to sign this. We shouldn't do this. <laughs> and, um, so then we were kind of just like went back home and we we're like super defeated and we we're like, man, this sucks. Oh, like, man. We, like 
power. And like that was just like one example. Like I mean, we did this with like uh, you know Disney and like all you know everybody, wow. whatever. And um, sort of like oh man, we gotta like figure out some way to like make it seem like the ship's sailing. Like these guys, these guys need to like like we're gonna go do it, and they need to decide if they're gonna like you know hop on the train or not. And so we're like, well, we should just like, like, how do you start a sports league if you don't like have another robot and you don't have any money to build another robot? And so um, uh, we were like, well, there's like one other giant robot in the world that we know of. It's like in Japan. And I wonder if like they would fight us. Like if we just somehow got the money together, like, I don't like, I don't know. Let's just like, let's just like make some commotion and just see if people will I don't know, pay attention or not. And uh, we like really did not. We we had no, I mean, it was like, we're just like, let's just see what happens. We have nothing to lose. We're literally like already bankrupt. You know, second time the company has been bankrupt um, at this point. And uh, 4th of July was like just around the corner. And so we were like, okay, well, you know, it'd be cool as if it's like not just like, Megabots versus Sudabashi, because like nobody knows these two companies. But like, right. let's make it like the USA versus Japan. Like it's like nation on nation giant robot fighting. Like that's cool. Because like you know, Fourth Drive's right around the corner. We'll make it super American. You know, stars and stripes and aviators and like all that kind of stuff. And so yeah, so we like. Uh, I can't remember if we reached out to them beforehand or not, but I know, I mean, we definitely, we like, I can't remember. I'm okay, like, so if you did, that would be like, you'd be super breaking kayfabe right now because their response video was totally them freaking out and saying, I don't know where this came from. I don't, I don't, uh, but yeah, if you want to challenge us, this is our culture. We'll do it. Sure. It seemed like they were totally taken off guard. Well, we, when I, when I say like we reached out to them beforehand, I think we like filmed a like draft of the video for like, it was like a rough cut of the video. And then we're like, here's this video. (laughs) What do you think? What do you think? You know? And so, like, yeah, I'm sure the video. I'm sure the video like took him by surprise. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I'm pretty sure we reached out to him. Like, I just can't remember if it was before we had the draft or not. I think it might have been after we already like filmed the draft, and we were like, "Hey, this is what we're thinking of. Like, like, would you agree to this or not?" And he was like, "Sure." <laughs> like, no discussion and. And, like, mind you, like, dude doesn't speak English. Like, no, I mean, like, we had to send everything through, like, translators and, like, all that kind of stuff. And so just, like, which, like, and that's something we should have thought about. Like, this is going to be really difficult to organize if, like, we don't yep. speak the same language. <laughs> like, it's super hard to do when everybody's speaking the same language. But in this case, it's, like, opposite sides of the world, different languages. Um, you didn't didn't have anybody on your team that spoke Japanese at that point. We did not. So yeah, I think, (laughs) I don't know. There's like a Facebook post. You can like go dig back through geese, like Facebook timeline where he's just like, do any of my friends speak Japanese, uh, for like, (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> and like, I don't know, one of his friends was like, yeah, I kind of know Japanese, like I can be a translator. And then, uh, so we had someone like translate an email from like English to Japanese. So we sent them like an email in Japanese that was just like, Hi, you know, hey, this is who we are. We want to do this. Um, you know, would you agree? And like Karate-san, which is like the guy who built the Karate's robot, Karate-san, right. I don't think they like, you know, at the time it was like, okay, you like get an email from like, I don't know, we was like, well, at that point it was like three three of us or something like that, and just like you get an email from like three dudes with like a goofy robot thing in a dirty warehouse, and like, it's just like, you're like, yeah, okay, this will be a fun YouTube video to make. Like, I think that's what their mentality was. Like, yeah, okay, well, it'll just like, we'll make it with like, we'll just like whip our phones out, and it'll be like pretty like down and dirty, you know, whatever, you know, homegrown kind of stuff. I think they got like more and 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 so yeah, so they accepted. We launched the video. It went super viral. You super know, they, viral. By the way, did this cost nearly as much as your forty-five thousand dollar <laughs> original Kickstarter no. campaign? And so it's kind of messed up. Like the low in the early days of of Megabots, <laughs> the less amount of money you spent on the video, the more views it got <laughs> for us. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, All right, that makes sense. <laughs> which I really wish we would have understood a lot more. I don't know. It kind of makes sense in hindsight. Like, that's part of the magic of it is, like, regular dudes with, like, some Home Depot tools, like, building robots of science fiction, you know? Like, when you make when you make it, like, super high production quality, then it starts to, like, feel more like a Hollywood movie. And then it's like, oh, yeah, there's just, like, big money behind this. And, like, it's all fake and, like, whatever. When yep. it's kind of like when it's kind of like grainy and like cell phone videos and stuff, like it's a little bit like better in a way. Uh, no, better in every way. I agree with you a hundred percent. I know where you're where you're going with this. I mean, we like when you guys were producing those crazy challenge videos for Japan and they were responding. Both those videos were just shot like super grainy, super homegrown, super. You guys were wearing flag capes, as I recall, and aviators. Yeah. And aviators, yeah, of course. <laughs> it was like it it felt like guys in their garage, like a slightly bigger scale than guys in their garage. And it was good. I mean, it made me like really want to root for you as the underdogs versus, you know, especially the way that they were kind of billed in that fight. They were the Karatas Corporation, you know. It was like this yeah. this the indus the industrial giant of Japan versus you guys who were just like, We threw this together in our garage. Yeah. I mean, we, like, literally, yeah, we, like, went to the hardware store, like, earlier that morning, and we're like, oh, here's a flag. I wonder if this will work as a cape. And, like, <laughs> grab that box of clothespins over there and, like, okay, I think that's good. Let's head to the warehouse. Like, that was basically it. Um, and we, like, yeah, we also just, like, oh, man, I totally, like, stole cameras from Autodesk. They have this, like, kind of like makerspace thing called Pier 9 that's like on the, you know, San Francisco's Pier 9 or whatever. And it's right. like super, <laughs> like super posh kind of like fancy machining equipment. And they have like cameras you can kind of like rent, but like only during the week. And I remember like asking the like, I don't know, facilities manager uh, lady there. I was like, so can I rent a camera over the weekend? And she's like, no, we don't allow that. And I was like, 
when is the last time on Friday someone checks and the earliest time on Monday? <laughs> <laughs> Not suspicious uh, at all. Uh, I'm just going to pretend I didn't hear that. And I, yeah, so I just like went in there and like totally stole cameras over the weekend. It's like outsmarting an NPC in a video game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We put it, we like took the camera, we took the camera and we like, put it on a tripod and then we like propped it up in the back of like my Ford Focus hatchback. And then we drove down, we had someone like drive the, basically like kind of like idle the car, drive, like down the like little alley inside the warehouse. Like that's how we got that tracking shot where we're like walking down. It's like someone was like hanging out the back of my Focus with the hatch open and just like <laughs> holding a camera on a tripod. Uh that's awesome. That's a really great one. Well, now that you cover behind the – it was actually uh, Lisa Winter, who's uh, – I'm sure you oh, all know. Oh, cool. Right, right, right. She was, she, was, she was filming that. So, yeah, anyways, we filmed the thing and um, went super viral. The response went super viral. We kind of got, like, on the map a little bit. And um, we thought it would be, like – we were like, okay, this is great. All the studio – like, the – all the studios we talked to, they're all going to come back and they're going to give us money. It's going to be awesome. And they didn't really care. They just like didn't. Nobody was like, okay, we're ready to like, give you money. It was just kind of like, I don't know. We thought they would all come crawling back and they didn't. And so we're like, oh, what are we going to do now? Like now we have a bunch of attention. Um, and it was crazy, by the way. It was like, I mean, our phones were just, like, ringing off the hook. And for, like, two weeks, it was, like, nuts. Like, we would be, it would be, like, me in my bedroom. And, like, Guy would be in the kitchen. And this other guy, Brinkley, that was working with us was, like, in the living room. And it would be, like, I would be on, like, an interview with, like, a Japanese radio station. Guy would be talking to, like... CNN, Brinkley would be like talking to popular mechanics and it was just like two weeks of that like, I mean like every you know, popular science like uh, just you know, Wall Street Journal like just entrepreneur, you know, like just every crazy publication you'd ever heard of we were in a bunch of newspapers and um, Wired like all that kind of stuff, it was like nuts um, super surreal time of my life. Like one, of, I think like one of Guy's friends was like saying like, yeah, I was just like walking down the street and there was like some kids like playing in the park and, uh, these kids, people like, I have no idea who these kids are. They were talking about like, who's going to win the like wow. giant robot fight between like us and Japan, like crazy. Like just people on the streets are talking about it. It was like nuts. My my redneck cousins were talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> like not, I mean, no interest in technology, no interest in every anything, but they were like, you hear about them giant robots that's going to be fighting in Japan? Yeah. <laughs> it's so crazy. So many TV stations and stuff. Or, I don't know. Super nuts. Um, front page of Reddit, I think, for each video. So, wait. At this point, you're basically – you're still broke. Right, yeah. you have no, you have no additional funding. Yep. And you've now got to pull off this fight. Yeah. So, so we how were like, pull that yeah. together? So we were like, well, now we have attention but no money. So I guess that's like <laughs> the first step to getting money. 
And we were like, maybe we should try Kickstarter again because now we have like a fault, you know, like the YouTube was blowing up and the Facebook was blowing up and like, it was great. So we're like, we'll try this again. Um, and yeah, everybody knew about us. So we were able to just like call, I mean, we got a bunch of like great people in that Kickstarter video. Um, you know, dude from Grant Imahara from Mythbusters and the How and How guys, the tank guys, and like NASA and stuff, and the BattleBots guys. And uh, yeah, we could just like call people. It was like crazy. We could just call people and they'd be like, oh yeah, I heard about it. So <laughs> it cool. Like instant credibility. Um, super cool. And um, yeah, we filmed this Kickstarter video, but like it was so much easier this time around because we had such a great narrative. Like, okay, like USA, like it's time to like, you know, we're going to go do battle with Japan. And like, this is a point of national pride. And like, you need to like put up, like support your robot. The only way we're going to overcome, you know, Japan, take down the top dog of robotics and like show the world who's boss is like, if we raise enough money to upgrade our robot and uh, it worked. <laughs> so, so now you have like this moment where you, um, you know, you have, you have a worthy adversary and it's time to start thinking about how, what implementations do we even need to consider when we're going to put a human being inside of a robot and have it fight another robot? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so the Kickstarter is successful. We suddenly realize that, like, oh, my God, we have to, like, fulfill a half a million dollars worth of, like, T-shirts and posters and stuff. Oh, uh, <laughs> and so we we're, like, talking to suppliers and, like, all that kind of stuff. And, like, at the end of the day, you end up, I mean, we, we raised like $550,000. I think we got to like, at the end of the day, there was probably like 200 K profit, maybe, maybe 150 or something like after you, after wow. like buy t-shirts, like fulfill them, like pay taxes, you know, just like all this stuff, like all these costs, you know, Kickstarter takes their cut, you know, like you cut down so many times so like we really didn't make that much money i mean it wasn't even enough to like upgrade the robot it was basically enough money to like pay off the lawyers that we were in debt to for like forming the company and like doing all the investment stuff and like helping us negotiate with like hollywood people and like all that kind of stuff so we, like paid off the lawyers who were like threatening us and uh gave ourselves like some salary because we hadn't taken a paycheck in like months and then we just started like fundraising. I mean, we didn't, we really didn't even have enough. We were like, we weren't even really like thinking about like, what is the robot actually gonna be like? Or like, how are we actually mm. gonna do this? We were mm. just like, we still just don't have any money. <laughs> we need to go like raise more money. But the great thing about Kickstarter is it like proves to the investors that like people love it, the general public loves it, and they love it enough to open their wallets and like pay for it. So now you could go to like, you know, we could go to these like Silicon Valley venture capitalists and they'd be like, oh, so you're like a one-year-old company and you've already made like a half a million dollars in revenue. Like that's pretty good. Yeah. First year. Like it's actually pretty rare for startups to make more than a half a million dollars in the first year. Right. 
Um, and so they're like, and generate international attention and all yeah, that big following. And, um, I mean, sports leagues have great, uh, they're great defensive defensibility. Like it's hard, like no one's going to take over the NFL. Like nobody's going to dethrone the like NBA, you know, it's like once you're there, you don't really have any com- real competitors, um, and so, yeah, we spent like months and months just um, trying to convince investors that we're going to be the next multi-billion-dollar global sports league. And eventually, we raised like I don't know, three point. I think it was three point eight five million dollars. And so then we had millions of dollars. Then we were like, okay, now we can like build a robot. So. Um, yeah, so it was immediately just like, let's just, we kind of went, we went a little crazy. I think we maybe raised too much money or something like that. Because <laughs> we were like, oh, yeah, like, we're going to just build a whole new robot. And I really, I I don't know, like, looking back, I'm like, I'm not sure that was the best idea. Like, Eagle Prime was, like, so expensive. And... Like, so just to give context, Iron Glory, just parts, was probably like maybe 200K, something like that. With parts and labor, I don't know, 300K, let's call it. Eagle Prime with like parts and labor was like two and a half million. So like 10 times as much. And like for the purposes of just like the first fight video and like showing people what this could be, is Eagle Prime going to give you a 10 times better video than Iron Glory? Like, probably not. Like, you're probably better off just, like... Building 10 Iron Glories. Yeah. Imagine if we had 10 Iron Glories. Like, even if they're, like, <laughs> kind of slower and clunkier. Like, who cares? Put a put a flamethrower on it. Like, nobody, nobody cares that, like, uh, the, like, you know, frequency response of the hydraulic valves in Eagle Prime, you know, is 300 hertz, and it, like as, you know, like a advanced computer system that, you know, can detect all the, like, it's crazily over-engineered. 75 GPM hydro, you know, crazy 400 horsepower. It's like, at the end of the day, that doesn't matter to somebody who's, like, watching the video on their cell phone. Like, they're just, they're going to be like, oh, that robot can shoot fire. That's a good one. Or like, You're right. Yeah. <laughs> we hear that all the time. I was totally nerding out that Eagle Prime could like tilt and pivot its top axis while it was throwing punches, right? And like yeah. I'm explaining this to my redneck cousins, and they were just like, "Yeah, whatever. What makes that any different from the Mark II? I don't get it." Exactly. So like, it just did. So I think like the engineer inside of us just like went. We were like, we were just like we're going to build the coolest robot that like we think is the coolest because we're, we love all the weird little details and like crap like that. But like when you're watching it on a YouTube video, I don't know, like it doesn't matter. Like honestly, we probably should have just put like flamethrowers and probably just got like some hot girls to like sit in the room, you know, like just (laughs) like pander to like the lowest common denominator to like get, build your fan base. Cause like, it just doesn't matter. doesn't like variable displacement hydraulic pumps and this and, and like the 
you know, how many degrees of precision the encoders have. Like you, you built you built an F1 racer when you, you, you should have considered the monster truck crowd. Yeah. So that was kind of like a big mistake looking back. Um, you know, like we li- we legitimately did build like a ridiculously like Eagle Prime is like crazy. It's like it's so nuts and it's like impossible to even communicate that over video. I mean, people who have like watched all of our YouTube videos and they like come see it in person, they're just like, holy shit, this is like way, way crazier than I ever thought it was. Like when it's real and like you put your hand on it and it like starts up and like, or like you're sitting in it, like it is like, it's just like nuts. It's like truly is <laughs> a video game come to life. It's like insane, but it's just so hard to c- communicate that in a video. I don't know, where, so let's see, where were we in the story? Um, raised a bunch of money, so hired a bunch I, of people. You did. You hired a bunch of BattleBots alums. You hired a bunch of people, Robert Marisk, uh, like a bunch of people that, that everybody in our community is kind of familiar with. And that's – so this is what I want to ask. So at this point, you guys are like talking about a league as if that like is the future, right? Meanwhile, you're also trying to make money and also build this insane concept robot that is Eagle Prime. Yeah. Um, are the Sudabayashi people interested in being a part of the league? Is that something that they're talking to you about, like the future? No, with them? they hated that idea. They were what? like, we do not want to be part of your league. We did not agree to this. And they, were, they were pretty upset with us that we were kind of like mixing the conversation up a little bit. Like, oh, we're Megabots, and like we own this sports league, and this is what we're starting, and like we're having this fight. They're like... No, 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 we didn't agree to this. We just agreed to have, like, one fight with you. Um, and so the relationship turned pretty sour. Like, we were, like, it was, I mean, How yeah. did they not, like, that just seems like such a such a win-win. Like, that seems like something they should just get right behind right away. Like, oh, Robot Fighting League, great. We'll build two and throw them over there, no problem. Those guys are a lot more, and I think this is part like Japanese culture, but they're just like very, they're very, they're like a lot more conservative and they only want to like do something if it's going to be amazing and like really good the first time. Mm. Um, And in just my opinion, like I found that they're not as comfortable with just like, well, I don't know, we're just going to like wing it like see what happens and like it's probably going to be a little bit shitty the first time you do it but like that's fine it's just the start like you just whatever like we're just trying we don't know um they they want to be like a lot more like thoughtful uh carefully plan things out and i think and then i and i think some of it also was just like we were just getting so much attention and we were raising millions of dollars and like we just sort of like took it and ran with it without really like asking them like like bringing them along with us you know and so they probably felt a little bit like what the heck like we just agreed to have this one fight and now these guys are just like milking it so much and like running with it without even really asking us if we want to go along with it or whatever Mm. and or like we just started building a robot without like we didn't even really have parameters set like we like what's the fight going to look like how big of a robot can you build how much can it weigh like we were just like whatever because it took so long to talk to them like just to go back and forth once was like two weeks 
because we'd have to write up a thing, then we'd have to get it translated, then like, you know, so the translators got it for like a couple days, then the translator emails it back to us, then we email it over to them, then they have to like, you know, think about it, you know, craft a response, then get it translated back, then email us back. And so it's just like it, the communication loop was so slow mm. that it was just like, and things were changing on our side so fast and press wants to talk to us. So like, we're just sort of blo- like sort of belligerently hyping everything as much as we can. Cause like, what else are you going to do? Someone sticks a microphone in your face and they go, is it going to be awesome or not? Like you just say, yes, it's going to be awesome. You don't really have it. Like you have no choice. Right. You have to just be like, it's going to be amazing. Oh, my God. Like, tune in. Everybody like and subscribe, you know. Um, and so we just sort of, like, trudged along and, like, built this big crazy robot that, like, we shared. I mean, of course, we were, like, putting it all on YouTube. They could see what we were doing. But they refused to, like, share anything about what they were building. Like, mm. they were just like, no, we're not going to show. Like, nope. Trust us, it's going to be done, blah, blah, blah. You know, we're not going to show you. It's going to be a surprise. But it's like, okay, like, how are you, like, how are we going to have a good fight if we don't know, like, what everybody's bringing, you know? Like, what? So it just got really messy, and it just got more and more last minute, and we, like, started delaying and delaying because we got all these, like, I mean, A, like, it took us super long to build our robot. That's just, like, any engineering project, whatever. Like, B, it's like, we just couldn't figure out what the hell the fight was going to look like. And we were also trying to sell it to, like, a TV network again at this point. Because we were like, we need money. We need someone to pay us to do this thing. Right. And all these TV networks were like, oh, well, we don't really, like, yeah, we'll buy it. We'll, We'll, like, pay you guys some money to have the exclusive rights to broadcast this. Are the Japanese guys okay with it? And we were like, uh, we don't really know. I guess you can go talk to them about that. And they're like, well, we can't really, like, license half of a fight. You have to, like, license the whole thing. And we're like, yeah, well, we're really only half of the fight, so you got to talk to the Japanese guys. And the Japanese guys were like, we will not speak to any American media company ever. We hate them all. Oh, my wow. goodness. They were like, we will only do this on YouTube, and we will do it ourselves, or we will not do it at all. And so they just killed every single deal like we brought. And so we had to like raise more money and we had to pay for the entire duel. <laughs> and then like towards the end, they were like, yeah, you know, it's not, we don't want to do this anymore. They were like, we don't want to do it anymore. Um, and we're like, what? And they're like, yeah, it's just, it's too expensive for us. And we're like, oh my God. What? <laughs> we spent, like two years like hyping this up. And like everybody, like we had, we had no choice. We like painted ourselves into a corner because we announced to the world that like, we're, you know, we're megabots. We're the company that's going to fight Japan. We raised a bunch of money based on it. Like, can you imagine if we told our investors like, oh yeah, we raised all this money to have this fight. And like, yeah, never mind. The fight's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, they backed out. But we have an Eagle so, Prime. <laughs> we have an Eagle Prime. Yeah. Yeah. We had to pay them $200,000 just to show up. Wow. Jeez. Wow. That's incredible. They're like, we're not going to show up unless you pay us money. <gasps> oh, my goodness. That's awful. I mean, that's that's crazy. It's super nuts. I mean, is this a good point to ask you, like, what is their business model? 
like, what are they? What are they trying to sell? Yeah. So I mean, they're Sudabashi is not a like big. I mean, they're not like a. They have a website that's like, oh, we're like the mass. You know, we like manufacture these giant robots and sell them or whatever. I, I don't think they've ever sold a robot. Um, I think they have like one, and they bring it to like trade shows and stuff every once in a while. But like, it's not it. Like, nobody. It's nobody's day job to do that. They're like, it's just like you know, three artists that just kind of like right. have this goofy robot, and they bring it out every once in a while when someone pays them to. But like, they all have day jobs. It's like very different than us, where we were like raised a bunch of money, and we're all doing this full time. Like we're trying to make it big, you know. It might just be kind of like an American philosophy, but I can't imagine a better opportunity that could land in someone's lap who, you know, really has that model, right? If they're going to be building these bespoke robots and, you know, they have a very small, like, production number of them, like, sure, an international giant fighting robot league? Oh, my goodness. Like, this is perfect. Um, But maybe maybe I'm not seeing it from their perspective. Yeah, I just, I mean, I don't know what it was. It's like, yeah, I don't believe they had much, like, they probably, they probably did need some money to, like, do the thing, but it's also, like, dude. Raise it. Like, yeah, like, we did a Kickstarter. (laughs) We, like, sold part of our company to investors to be able Mm. to do this. Like, you, like, and meanwhile, they never put, like, they didn't post anything. On YouTube, like ever, they're just like they just want to no. be quiet the whole time. It's like, okay, guys, well, like you didn't do anything, you know. So like, you could have, you could have sold T-shirts or something. Like we did. I can trying to empathize with them. I can imagine the stress factor of potentially losing a giant robot duel with the Americans. You know, yeah. being being that like robotics and and and. And, you know, uh, and large fighting robots are such a huge part of, you know, uh, you know, some of their subculture there. But just to just to know that, like, yes, subculture, that's their culture. Like giant fighting robots is Japanese culture. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. And meanwhile, like all this stuff, like this was like it was all under NDA. So, like, we couldn't even. Wow saying so like that was super frustrating because like we couldn't even tell our fans like what was happening because like the japanese guys were like well you know like while we figure out the details of the fight let's promise to not discuss them until we like agree like once we finalize the details then we can announce and so we like signed this like nda with them that was like okay yeah yeah we won't like tell anybody until we're in agreement but it's like then like when you don't agree on anything like you can't say anything you can't even say, like, yeah, we can't figure out what we're, like, we're not agreeing, so we can't talk, you know, it's just like, so then all of our fans, like, started to get pissed off at us, like, why aren't you telling us what's going on, and, you know, but, like, we couldn't, because we had an NDA, mm. I don't know, I'm probably, like, I'm probably not even supposed to talk about this, but I just don't even care anymore, because, like, the company's gone, so, like, whatever, what, are they going to come sue me? I don't know, maybe, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, like, we couldn't talk about the, like, 200k, <laughs> They made us pay, you know, just like all this ridiculous stuff. But they have, so they eventually get paid, and the you know the 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 it the event finally makes the calendar, and you guys agree upon where this rendezvous is, and 
you know, we like let's get into the the event itself. Yeah. So the fight was filmed over probably like two weeks. I mean, the robots were like super. Uh, they were breaking down all the time, and like I mean, there was there's really no way we were going to be able to like have a fight where it was like just turn the cameras on and like start the robots up and mm. like start wailing away, you know. So uh, is that from, is that from both ends? Is that like on the on your side as well as on theirs, or was there yeah, was there yeah. well? It was on our side from like a reliability standpoint. Like our like Eagle Prime had this like goofy like power system problem where it was like shutting down if you like tried to move it too fast or something like that. Or anytime you like accelerated fast from a stop, it would just like shut off. And their robot like their robot just did it like it just doesn't it doesn't even turn. It doesn't move, like <laughs> hmm. it could only go straight. So like every time that robot turned in the video, it was like okay. This is the part where the robot turns, like, stop the cameras. Like, and then, like, four Japanese dudes would run out with, like, crowbars and, like, move the wheels on Karatas. Wow. And they'd, like, come back and, like, sweep the dirt to, like, not show any footprints in the arena. Wow. And then we'd be like, okay, roll the cameras again. Now the robot's driving this way. I'm, I'm, I'm almost in disbelief. Um... Because, like, they, they even have, like, I think on their website, they had, like, test footage of, like, one moving around. But, no. yeah. That's, uh, they have one YouTube video that shows, like, Karatis, like, driving down the street. Yeah. I encourage you to, like, open up that video and then, like, press pause right <laughs> when it's driving down the street. And notice, like, there's no shadow. Right. And there's, like, a weird, like, hydraulic cylinder that's, like, stick. It's all CGI. Yeah. It's just, like, CGI. <laughs> oh. like, not real. <laughs> But it's like such a short little scene that like nobody picks up on. I mean, I didn't notice. That, I, was caught, I was what? I thought that thing drives down the street. Like what the hell? And they're like, mm. wow. It's all smoke and mirrors. Yeah. So, you know, like the so people, you know, people always ask us like, well, is the duel scripted? And it's like, well, like yeah, the main points of the duel of like who's gonna win, like all that kind of stuff was like already decided, and like kind of where the robots would be, but like the robots were so hard to control that like it, you know, the parts where it's like, okay, at this point, the robots are going to be together and then like, just start punching each, you know, like we're just, just going to start hitting each other. And so like that stuff was unscripted. It was literally like, I don't know, just like grab the joystick and like start ramming, like whatever. So like the, like the fight, like the damage, like the damage in the fighting stuff was like unscripted, but like, kind of the high level stuff of like okay there's going to be like you know this many rounds and like whatever like, so this, this is like kind of pro wrestling in that sense right yeah it was yeah you could say yeah it was totally um it was totally yeah it was WWE cuz like from my understanding in like WWE like they um like you know every like yeah they're like kind of fake punches or whatever but like they get bloody yeah, like, yeah. They'll like you. Know, they'll hit each other with like stuff, and like they they'll they'll bleed every once in a while. Like that's real. Yeah, Blood's yeah. Blood. And like back in the day, especially, it's not so much this way now, but back in the day with WWE, the end of the match was definitely decided. But what happened in between was yeah. a little bit more impromptu, a little bit more like you know, I'm gonna throw this and see what happens, kind of stuff. Right. 
Did you did you guys have someone there who was helping you build a narrative and like tell a story? No, but we should have. I see my 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 guess would have been the other way around. That you had someone yeah. there who was telling you this is the best way to tell the story and you shouldn't have had that person. Nah, I mean, I think about this a lot, but I think um I think our problem, like the big failure of that duel was that we weren't sure if it was WWE or if it was UFC and we never picked a strong, like we didn't, Mm. we didn't pick and go in that direction. We just kind of like half wobbled around, like indecision it, like portions of it are kind of goofy and portions are more serious. Like I think, at least for that duel, we probably should have just gone like hard WWE, like ridiculous, like, I don't know. Yeah, the robots can do some goofy feats of strength, but like, you know, at one point someone like throws open the cockpit and like climbs down and like pulls the other person out and starts <laughs> punching them or, you know, like something <laughs> stupid and like ridiculous instead of just kind of this like half, it sort of. It seems kind of fake, but not like other stuff is not, you know. Because I think yeah, you're people, right. You could have gone all in. Yeah, Curitas. Oh my God, he's got a jetpack. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so um, tentacles. There's tentacles on Crut. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, I think um, it wasn't like the. Just like people didn't know, like and people were just like, what did I just watch? Like what? Yeah. Were they serious? So, did you know that going there? I mean, obviously, like you, you didn't have a lot of understanding about what was going on with their robot. It was going to be a surprise. Right. But did you did you know going there that you would have to like kind of craft shots and make things look like a fight on site, or did you think you were going there with these reliability issues, like? having to ha- set up a real duel. I think we knew that we, well, we knew for sure, like we're, there's no way we're going to be able to just like roll the cameras. Right. Have the fight just go straight through. Like there was no way it was going to be like one shot. Right. Because of like the reliability issues. I mean, we were, and the other problem was like, we were just working on our robot up until like the last minute. Like yeah. before that robot had to ship to go to Japan the main like drive valves failed that like control the tracks on the robot. Yeah. And for some stupid reason we use these like super crazy high tech like space age high response high flow valves that like you know handmade in Germany by elves or something you know crazy <laughs> whatever. <laughs> And so one of them broke and we're like, oh, God, we need a replacement in like the next 36 hours because like literally a truck is going to come to grab this robot and put it on a boat, send it to Japan. Like we have to fix this robot in 36 hours. And like we don't like there's only like like, these valves don't exist in the world. They're like called custom order. So we had to like find one that would like Guy like found some replacement valves that like might work. Was it Guy or was it John? can't remember one of our employees um somebody like found some replacement valves that were like well these are like the analog versions but we could like put in like a converter 
and like they're sort of the same size, but like it's gonna the robot will be like a little bit more jerky, but like we could probably make it work. Anyways, there's like three valves. They're in Chicago, and we like spin the office chair around, and we're like, Rob, you're gonna get on a plane tonight with a Pelican case, <laughs> and you're gonna go to Chicago. You're gonna go to this address. You're gonna knock on the door. You're gonna say like, I'm Rob from Megabots, and I'm here for the valves. You're gonna put the valves in the Pelican case. You're gonna drive back to like Chicago airport. You're gonna fly back here, and you're gonna like drive immediately to the warehouse where like these two employees are gonna grab the case from you, and we're gonna have the robot ready. We're gonna throw the valves in and like screw them down, and we're gonna like boot up the robot and like see if it works. You know, it's just like this great <laughs> last minute, and he like did it. He like wow, these new valves in, and the robot started up. It probably like finally started running like I don't know hours before the truck showed up to like go to Japan and so God, yeah just like give you an crazy. idea like the robot was like barely running you know it was just like all kinds of shit was always breaking on it and so you know we figured we would be like at this fight and we'd be like fixing stuff like in a warehouse in Japan so yeah and we were so you you're there for two weeks. You get all your shots in. Tell us a little bit about, you know, what it was like after rap and in between, you know, uh, packing up and leaving Japan and when we finally all had a chance to see the event. Yeah, so we came back. I think we were feeling pretty good. Like, after we came back, we were like, and mostly it was just like a relief. It was like, oh, my God, we like, because... There was a healthy part of us that were like, we might go there and this might just be a complete shit show. Like it, uh, like it might be like the robots just don't turn on. We don't get anything. And we all just wasted like a million. It was basically a million dollars to make that video between like production costs, transportation, like paying the guys to show up, like flying the crew out, hotels, meals like fixing robot, like it was a million dollar. That video cost a million dollars to make. Right. So yeah, <laughs> we were like, well, we might not get anything. And uh, we were just happy to have something in the can uh, when we came back. Um, and uh, yeah, as we uh, started editing and like all that kind of stuff, I think we, uh, I, I don't know. Like I, it, I guess I can like speak to like my thoughts on it. I didn't think it would be like a, I don't know. It, w it was better than I thought it would be, to be honest. It was better than I thought it would be, but I didn't think it would kind of like piss people off as much as it did. Boy, did it. Some people were like really upset. I'll tell you, my redneck cousins were pretty upset. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people were like super upset and I don't know. It's just like. So I, you, I you, you've essentially built this community, uh, you know, with like a quarter of a million followers and tens of mil millions of, of, of hits on videos that you've uh, produced. And basically you've created this huge uh, avalanche of, of, of people who have joined you on this journey and naturally – no, like you can't make everybody happy in, in a brand new venture like this. Um, yeah. so like, tell me, tell me a little bit about like, cause, cause I, I, I personally witnessed and had been on message boards with, with people who 
you know, really brought a toxic attitude to the conversation uh, about how they were personally let down or how they expected more, you know, um, how do you absorb something like that? And how do you like, you know, stay focused and not beat yourself up? Uh, When the video first came out and like, I mean, I remember just like watching the Twitch chat and just watching everybody just spam the word fake. Like copy and paste, fake, 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 over and over again. And, like, I just saw, you know, just, like, people generally were, like, pretty pissed off. To me, uh, I didn't think it was, like, super bad. I was, like, uh, my intuition was that, like, controversy is good for this kind of stuff. And I'm, like, sort of, like, uh, I kind of, like, love that we, like, had haters because, uh... I don't know. It was like part of the, you know, narrative leading up to it. We're kind of like the overconfident, like Americans, you know, like just like challenge somebody else to a fight. Like, come on, like we're just supposed to like, you know, we don't like give a shit what people say or whatever. And so like that was just like part of the like goofy, like robot jock persona that I like started to mm. take on. You started to become the <laughs> character that you had made. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. It sort of like blends, you know, it's sort of like, yeah. And, and I remember like Guy was super down. Guy was like, this is the end. <laughs> and I, I mean, I guess he was right, but I didn't like he, yeah, he was watching. He was like super down when he saw that stuff. He was just like, oh my God, people just hate this. Like the stuff I worked so hard on and like people just don't like it. Like this is the end. I don't know. The the whole story itself reminds me of uh, Franz, I think it's Franz Reichelt. Do you, have you ever heard of him? No. So he was uh, a French inventor and he was a tailor back in, you know, I believe it was the late uh, 19th century, early 20th century. So he was a French inventor, he was a tailor, and he had an absolute certainty that a man could fall from any height and survive with the right contraption. And so he tailored one. And he mm-hmm. He, uh, he took a bunch of long black capes and he strung them together through a wooden frame uh, that would be attached to someone's back. And he would throw dummies off of his, uh, like, Paris uh, building. And, you know, eventually, after hundreds of tries, he built this reliable way of delivering a human being safely to the ground. And he was so certain that his contraption, you know, had footing that... He, invent, he invited the international media to, to watch him jump off the Eiffel Tower. Yeah. And the, the demonstration ended quickly. Uh, yeah. and But they, they filmed it and they played, you know, the, the black and white, no audio film in theaters around the world. And, you know, there were people that, you know, insulted him and mocked him. But what the story actually did was it challenged hundreds of inventors to improve the design and shortly thereafter, we were gifted with the modern day parachute. And it's yeah. like, that's that's kind of like what I see like megabots as, as it was. It's just, you guys, you just went out there and you had this idea and you did it. Like there yeah. were millions of dollars like in play and you guys just, it's like it was second nature to you. And I don't know if it was because you took on part of that character that you built that's like, we're the gung-ho Americans and we're going to do it. And that's exactly what you did. And and what I hope is that, 
what you'll have done is you'll have galvanized, you know, this idea that large scale robotics and, and combat robotics is a possibility and that, you know, this is what's going to lead to future iterations where maybe there is like giant manned combat robotics in our near future. And, and I think that you played a huge part in that and that, you know, that's that's so cool that you guys just you just you, you just had the stones and you did it. Yeah. I have questions about kind of the future of Iron Glory as well as Eagle Prime. Sure. So before we heard about the bankruptcy, before we heard about selling Eagle Prime, mm-hmm. we were all talking about a Canada versus USA, more monster truck related style fight. Yeah. So what ended up happening with that idea? Like, where did that end up going? And um, and what was the plan for that? Was that going to be... I know you guys were talking about that being more of a live fight. Uh, was Eagle Prime, like, in a place where that could happen at that point? What, what was going on with that? Um, that? So basically, like, for a year, just to, like, summarize, basically, we had to, like, lay off all the employees. We ran out of money. The investors didn't want to give us more money. They were like, the fight sucked. We don't want to give you more. We tried another Kickstarter. It failed. Everyone got laid off. Guy was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I was like, I'll try a little bit longer. And so Guy was like, okay. Good luck. And then I got the investors to give me like an extra like 200K. Just like try some stuff. Uh, Basically, it was just like try to just like book some appearances and like, I don't know, maybe run an event or just like see if you can like sell tickets to something. Like just can you make any money at all? And so um, like did a couple appearances and did like one little ticketed event, but it all lost money. Like the individual, like, yeah. So basically like every once in a while we could get paid like 25 K 50 K something like that to like show up with the robot. But like those appearances just like, it wasn't enough, you know, right. Like get one, like every like five months or something like that. And it's just like not enough to like pay for rent and fixing the robot and transportation and all that kind of stuff. So I was like, okay. And I just kind of like the social media was just like sort of dwindling and like people were losing interest and like nobody really cared anymore and, like, everybody kept commenting just, like, when's the next fight? When's the next fight? When's the next fight? When's the next fight? No matter what I, like, tried to explain on social media, it was just, like, when's the next fight? When's the next fight? So it's like, okay, I'm running out of money again. I, like, the appearances doesn't seem to be working. I did run one, like, little ticketed event, but, like, that wasn't profitable. And so I was like, well, everybody's asking for, like, another fight. And this guy, like, reached out to me who was like, oh, like, do you want to fight my goofy, like, fire-breathing dragon thing? And I was like, whatever, sure. This can be a USA versus Canada thing. So I, like, threw together that video with him. And I kind of told myself, like, before I clicked the, like, upload button, I was like, okay, if this video gets, like, 200,000 views or more in the first two weeks... I'll do this. And if it gets less, I'm just going to like shut the company down like that. I just like told myself that I was just like, that's my line in the sand. And like, because like I was just spending like, you know, it's just like, man, when it's like just you and like you, it's just like me in a dirty warehouse with like a couple of robots, like no team. And like, you're just doing it all yourself. And like, you don't really have any like, like, 
no employee, like there's no accountability. You're not like, you just like the days start to blur together and like you're there at weird times and you're like, just kind of like, what am I doing with my life? Like, is this, it's like, it's not going anywhere. And so it's just like, I need to just like make a decision based on numbers. And it's like, otherwise, like I would have just kept, I would have just gone, well, there's one more, maybe like, you know, well, if I just do this one more thing, maybe this will be the thing that turns it around, you know, just like persistent to a fault, really. So, yeah, I just like was like, here's the thing. It's the thing everybody's asking for. They're asking for when's the next fight. And if it gets like a big enough response, I'll then like run another Kickstarter and we'll raise some money and do like another fight. And like, you know, we talked to like a guy who like owned a stadium or really like a demolition derby like arena thing and he was like yeah you can like do it here it'll be great like we had an arena like place picked out for it but like we had to probably had to raise like i don't know 100k or something like that to like make it happen and uh yeah people just didn't care (laughs) i don't know i uploaded the video and like nobody watched it so i was like well that's my answer it's done i'm gonna stop and then yeah and then it just kind of like took another half a year or so to like just slowly wind everything down and sell all the tools and the robots and like have a, you know make a plan for all that and that's where we are today Oof. so mark 2 aka iron glory is that yep. sold is that gone now yeah that's sold to um our japanese investor one of our japanese investors owns it because during that whole process where I was kind of just like trying to make stuff happen, trying to book events, like whatever, doing anything that would make money, he was like, hey, well, I think I can help you make some money. Like, I know some, like, I think I have some appearances in Japan that we can bring this thing to. And I was like, cool. I was like, why don't you just lease it from me? I'll like ship it to Japan. And like, you can pay me for like a one year lease on it. And then like, Whatever you make with it, like, you just get to keep. So, like, you lease it from me, and then you can kind of, like, it's kind of like people who do, like, Airbnb, where they're like, <laughs> I'm going to rent this apartment for a year, and then I'm going to, like, <laughs> Airbnb it out, like, weekend at a time. So effectively what he was doing with the robot. But, uh, you know, at the end of the year, like, the company was just, like, running out of money, and I was like, oh, man, like... I don't want this thing back, you know? Like, what am I going to do with it, you know? Because he was supposed to ship it back in, like, March of 2020. So I guess in another month here. Or maybe it was April. Can't remember. March or April. Anyways, I was like, just, like, I'm not even going to have a space for this to come back. So, like, instead of having him pay to ship it back, why doesn't he just, like, buy it? And then you can just keep it. He's like, I don't want it. And so, yeah, he's got it, and, yeah, he still, he, like, takes it around to, like, little festivals. I don't think it makes much money, but, you know, like, it gives kids rides with it and shoots T-shirts every once in a while, and, like, (laughs) I don't know, you can see it. I think his Instagram is, like, control underscore panel underscore Japan. He, like, owns a PLC kind of control panel business in Japan. And do like electrical uh, systems. They're actually doing the electrical system for the like new walking Gundam. Oh, that's cool. But yeah, I don't know. He's got it. Yeah, every once in a while, he like takes it out in the back parking lot and like I don't know. He takes it around, gives people rides. But like, I don't think he's 
I don't know. I think that's basically all it's going to be. I don't know, unless you can bring it to some super big event. But And then uh, Eagle Prime sold to uh, Bill Payne, guy who uh, produces monster truck shows. So that's in Washington State. And um, he's, like, working on it, man. He's got, like, a... He's got a crew of technicians. They're, like, putting new track pads on it and getting it tuned up and, like, making it more reliable. I don't know if they're going to get it to the point where, like, that thing can run reliably for, like, a period of 30 minutes in front of a crowd of people and, like, perform. But, like, maybe he might. I don't know. Mm. I would guess he's probably got to put, like, 50K into it to get it there. I don't know. He might. He might. But uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens. I think if he isn't able to and he decides he wants to give up on it or something, he'll probably sell it back to me or to <laughs> I don't know. the hacksmith wants it. If you follow that YouTube channel. Uh, so why um what exactly does he need to put the 50k into? Just the original like reliability issues, trying to get yeah, that all. Yeah, I mean, just like uh, you just gotta like I don't know. I think the engine was like running a little rough sounded like it kind of had an air it was just like the engine needed some like general tune-up stuff the track pads were completely worn down the controls definitely just like need a little bit more they're just like i don't know it's not super intuitive to control and uh i don't know the front of it's kind of beat up because of like so many cars it's like dropped on itself and stuff uh, <laughs> kind of like leaks oil a little bit I don't know, just like general, general purpose stuff. But I think the big thing is like it just doesn't it doesn't move in dirt very well. It kind of gets stuck in dirt really mm. easily. So I don't know. Oh, that's adjusting, interesting. Adjusting the suspension or something, or cleats. I don't know. What it needs do. cleats. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> I mean, it goes forward and backward just fine through dirt, but it it has a really hard time pivoting. Because, like, the tracks, like, scrub down into the dirt instead of, like, over the top of the dirt. So, Matt, looking ahead, do you anticipate that there's going to be another iteration of large uh, format combat robotics? And, and what what obstacles do you anticipate that uh, the next people who, who venture down this road are going to have to uh, figure out how to solve? I think somebody's going to figure it out eventually. Like, we've, like, I don't know. I think if nothing else, like, at least Megabots has proven that, like, people want it. Like, right. there is, like, a mass market demand for it. question is, like, most people want, like, a Transformers battle. Like, a real Transformers battle. And, like, science and physics and engineering can't deliver that. So, like, what could people do? My guess is, like, what's going to happen next is, like... I could totally see a like super like WWE version of it where it's like special effects and sparklers and smoke effects and it's like a traveling show. It's like the circus comes to town or whatever and like the robots come and like they do a bunch of like the robots like have some goofy electric, you know, they shoot fire and like maybe they blow something up or whatever. But like they don't it's not like they're, you know, chopping each other in half and, like, really like, damaging each other. I I think that's the first thing that's going to happen. It's, like, somebody could definitely throw together, like, six kind of Iron Glory-style robots that are, like, 
pretty slow, but like still look cool and like people can get in them and like they can still like shoot stuff and like move around and maybe there's like this kind of crazy show that happens. I think that could be like a viable business model. And maybe, honestly, maybe it's not even a traveling show. Maybe it's like just this like event you go to in Vegas, you know? Mm. Where it's just like, yeah, like for the people who like go to Vegas and they're like, oh, I'm here for the... I'm not here for the gambling and the drinking and whatever. I'm here for like the esports tournament. And then like when that's over, I'm going to go watch the robots or something. Right, right. You know? So do you think then like there's going to be the the glitz and glam WWF version, but then that might be the catalyst for even further down the road, a real UFC style uh, uh, large format combat robotics event? Ah, oh, man. I don't know. I could it's like it's it's so easy to picture but it's like I think you'd have to take people out of the robots mm. to be but then it's like how much does it cost to repair? I don't know. It's like it, for for us it was always like there was kind of like three things that were really hard to get all at once and it's really hard to make it like destructive, safe and like cost effective those three things were like always com- competing kind of goals. Like, yeah, you could like, okay, if you wanted it like destructive, you could like take people out, but then it's also still like expensive. So if you wanted it to be cheaper, you could make like little panels that are like meant to fall off. Then mm. like, then it's not real destruction anymore. So it's just like, there's always the like, trade-offs and like, you can never really get like cheap, safe, destructive entertainment you know and destructive also kind of goes along with like fast i think it's got to be fast too like something on the robot's got to be fast for it to be exciting yeah and that's scary with a human inside the robot for sure yeah and even with like crowds i mean like if you got like a big i mean you know battle bots happens inside a big like arena yeah a quarter inch sheet of lexan probably isn't gonna stop uh, an eighty thousand pound robot from falling onto people so it's like I don't know what it I don't know what it, maybe it's like I could maybe see like a, a demolition derby type thing where like there's one like big ass robot that's just like built like a tank and it just like like it just chews through a bunch of car like it destroys cars and stuff but like I'd watch not that another robot mm. you know you have like a big demolition derby or something I guess well then you have to take the drivers out of the cars yeah remote controlled demolition derby and the cars try to like ram the robot and it just like eats them or whatever like i don't know but then like what's the sport then like I don't right know, like is that really a sport or is it just like you're just watching some destruction? yeah if it's if it's remotely piloted or if there's an, even an ai uh driving the bot does that actually produce less excitement than real human beings inside of a cage yeah i don't know i mean i kind of think t- i i always thought like i the thing that, like, I think taking people out is, like, not, like, obviously it's not as cool, like, to have people outside the robot, I think. I mean, because, like, everybody, like, every little kid wants to grow up being, like, I could be, like, a giant robot pilot someday, you know? Like, right. that's a real job, you know? It's like, the, it's like the new, like, fighter, you know, kids, like, they put a big, like, fighter jet poster on their bedroom wall, and they're like, yeah, I'm gonna, like, buy those things someday. And, like... 
I wanted kids to like be able to do that with giant robots, you know. So that's a that's a hard thing to picture when you're actually talking about the real physics of giant steel implements swinging at small metal boxes with humans inside of them. Yeah, exactly. Ugh, I can understand that. Well, we can so. we can leave it with with like what what advice would you give to somebody who is just getting started now with imagining that next iteration? Oh man, it's not about the robots. It's about the like emotion and the spectacle and the like story. I think anyone who like wants to do this, if they're anything like me their gut reaction is to build the coolest robot they can, the most advanced robot they possibly can. And I think that's the wrong thing. I think you sh- I think it's like you should constantly see if you can build a cheaper, crappier robot that looks cooler and has a better story. And I think you'll get a lot farther with that. Hire an artist to draw the robot first and then work with the artist to make the robot technically feasible because like how the robot looks is like super important. Yeah. Cause if you have an engineer, just like, you know, like, Oh, just like design a robot. They're going to just make like, look, they're going to be like, okay, here's my cockpit. And they just like make a cube. And like, here's the, you know, like those were the pots. It's in this box. And then let's see for the legs. You just like draw some like sticks, you know, it's just like, <laughs> eh, but it's just like, no, you know, it's like, it's not cool. It just doesn't look cool. You need an artist to help you make it look cool. So, uh, so Matt, what are you, what are you up to these days and, and, and what do you have on the horizon? So I have like a few YouTube videos that I'm kind of like making on just like closing thoughts of Megabots. I did save the like giant knife. <laughs> it's like sitting in my garage. It's like, <laughs> awesome. just, like doing some like g- giant knife drops <laughs> videos. But uh, like, yeah, I don't really have a solid plan, and it's like I have, I have the Megabots name, I have all the social media stuff, I have an audience that likes science and destruction, and I don't know. I'm trying to figure out like what's something that I could do that's like profitable with that, because the as you'll see from my next YouTube video, like the the social media stuff doesn't make a lot of money. Um, unless you're like selling something on it, you know, like, I don't know, selling tickets or t-shirts or whatever, promoting a Kickstarter or something. So I'm still trying to figure that out. I mean, my side, I, I don't like need to get in, like, I I don't need to like go get a job necessarily. Um, I kind of have this side hustle of like, I'm like a landlord. I've got a couple apartment buildings in Oakland. So... I just kind of like manage the apartment buildings as like my side hustle, which really is like the thing that actually pays all the bills, but like at least gives me enough like freedom to kind of figure out what I want to do next with the Megabots brand. But I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes that's just as cool as having a, a, a plan all laid out. Yeah. Because <laughs> the, yeah. the opportunity so, for things to fall in your lap is now there. Yeah. So for those of you who are watching, uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel to find out what I do next. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'll, I'll, like, I'm probably, I'll, you know, I'll probably ask the fans what they would like to see. But um, I mean, I'm and I'm 
I'm open if somebody's like somebody comes along and is like, hey, I want to like buy all the intellectual property. Uh, I want to buy megabots from you, and I'm gonna like take it and run with it because I've got like money and I'm gonna try to do this giant robot thing. I'd be like, okay, I'll like sell it to you. Go for it, or help, or whatever. Wow. And I I saw that you posted on your uh, I guess it was Instagram page. You know, you were asking fans how much money they think you made off of off of videos off of youtube alone yeah you know i i took a stab at it not gonna lie but i i just knowing what i know about youtube monetization it's like a drop in the bucket of what your operating costs were oh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like nothing yeah i mean it was uh we made eleven thousand dollars like that Whew. that's the punchline of the, the next video Every single we, – we interview a lot of BattleBots builders naturally on our podcast, and I think the common thread that ties every episode together is a builder telling us, well, if you want to make money, don't get into combat robotics because <laughs> yeah. it's an expensive <laughs> hobby. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so I don't know. I mean uh, it's, uh, it's interesting. It's definitely something – like people like it. It's just like I don't know. It's really, really hard, really hard to get. I don't know if like combat. I'm actually constantly surprised at how many people uh, they'll ask me like, oh, you know, like what do you, what do you do, or what's your background, and I'll kind of like tell them about Megabots and stuff like that, and they're like, oh, you, you know, like the, like, oh yeah, I used to watch that show on like Comedy Central. I'm like, no, 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 <laughs> that's BattleBots, and I'm always surprised at how many people don't realize it's like back on the air, you know? Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Like all these people like know about knew about it. They used to watch it. It's like, how do you, how do you not know that it's like back on the air? So it must be really frustrating for those uh, for those guys at BattleBots. Like I'm sure they have the same conversation as I do. Like, oh yeah, I used to watch that show, and they're like, yeah, it's on the air again. They're like, really? Well, if you think about it, back when it was on the air in Comedy Central, there wasn't that much TV. You know what I mean? Like there was. What forty five cable channels total? <laughs> you know, like there there wasn't that much original content. Now there's just too much TV. There's just too much. Nobody can watch all of it. So if you had a show on Comedy Central, millions and millions of people were going to know about it. And that's just not the way the world works anymore. Yeah. Get off my lawn. <laughs> <laughs> well, Matt. Matt, I really, um, I really want to thank you uh, for your time uh, that you've shared with us, uh, and thank you so much for telling us like the whole story. This is, you know, this has been a, a huge inter- interview for me, uh, and I'm sure that Kyle feels the same way, and so does Lindsay, who's been with me for a lot of this journey vicariously. I'm through. pretty sure it was a conversation <laughs> piece on our very first date. <laughs> so. Oh, perfect. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'm glad, yeah, uh, I could be a small part of your first date. <laughs> Just third wheeling over here. You're invited to the wedding. Yeah. Thank you again for for joining us uh, and everybody. We've been talking to Matt Orline, uh, the founder of Megabots, and yeah, it's been it's been great having you on. Cool. Thanks a bunch, guys. That's about it for us today. We'll be back in your feed next Wednesday with another mystery guest. We'll see you then. Bye. Bye. Bye Bye-bye, folks.